This morning I want to invite you to uh, live in readiness. Last week I, I tried to remind us really of a, what I think to be, it's not just, it's not just a slogan, it's really it's a worldview, it's a belief, it's something that is meant to infect everything that we are and everything that we interpret that's going around. And it, I really ended with a question, will we bring good news to our generation? Will we be a community that announces uh, the year of God's favor? And I, and I, well, I wanted to contrast because I, I think that the contrast right now is like really amazingly contrasting. Uh, I think it's, you know, any of us that are living life and keeping up with what's happening around us, it would seem that this would be a time of unfavorability in a lot of different ways. We just live in an unfavorable time. And what I wanted to truly, I really wanted to say, you know, I understand those pressures. I live with those pressures. I read those pressures. I'm drawn into those. It's kind of like we're walking around with this dark cloud over our head. But the reality is, even when circumstances around us are unfavorable, at the core of who we are and what God has initiated into our lives, this is really the age of the Lord's favor. And I just wanted to remind you that from the coming of Messiah, the coming of Jesus, from his birth, through his ministry, through his death, through his resurrection, all the way to his return. So that would include now. The Bible teaches us this is the age of the Lord's favor. And so it really, truthfully, it can be as unfavorable or more unfavorable around us, but it really doesn't change who we are and what we're meant to do. And so we get to work under a dark cloud but know the Lord's favor, and it's really meant for us to communicate to others This is not the time of God's judgment. This is the time of the Lord's favor. And it really falls upon us to be people that communicate that in the way we live and the way that we speak. I didn't tell you last week because I was wound up. Because I think that's just like really, really, like really, really important. Uh... What I want us to do through this season, because we're not going to be out of this season for quite a while. So in this unfavorable season, I've just, as I've, this, hey, Jesus, what are we supposed to do? The nudge I felt was, well, stay focused on me. And so I want to invite us to start keeping our our focus on Jesus by reading through the gospel of Mark together. So that'll be home base for us in this season from now until the Advent season, which again, the that, that focus will be on Jesus then too. So it's going to be Jesus all the way along as we go. I think that's where we need to stay and be reminded of. So this morning, I want to uh, start with Mark chapter 1, verse 1 through 3. The beginning, the beginning of the good news of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, As it is written in the prophet Isaiah, See, I am sending my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way. The voice of one crying out in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord. Make his paths straight. According to Mark's story, this is the beginning 
of the good news. And if there's a beginning, it seems to me that that presupposes that there's an end. So you have the beginning like at the beginning of the book. And then you have an end like the ending. You know, conclusion, introduction, conclusion. And then if you've got a beginning and you have an end, what else would you have? It's the middle. You've got an in-between. So you, you've got a beginning, you've got an end, and you've got an in-between. Are we living in the beginning? No. Are, are we living at the end? No. Where are we living? We're in the in-between. We're in the middle. I like that, Adam. We're in the middle. Where do our conversations sometimes go? A lot of our conversation goes to the end. Now, I think those are great conversations. But if those conversations don't touch life in the in-between, in the middle, they are useless. I mean, we can get all our theology straight, maybe. We can study all the options. I would, you know, encourage us to study all the options. Uh, Theologically, I would say there is not a single eschatology that is right over the others. They're all up for grabs, so you should know them all. And then, like, say, well, I think in this season, I think this is where I am. And next season, it might not be. And so that's good. We can have Bible studies. One of these days, I'll be brave enough to preach through Revelation. I'm not quite there yet, but I'm getting close. Because I don't think we understand that letter at all. So we can spend all of our time talking about the end, or we can spend all of our time going backwards and talking about the beginning, and we skip the in-between. And so I want us to say, we're going we're gonna to look at the beginning of the good news, but we're going to take that beginning and we're going to apply it to now. It has its impact on us now. And this good news, I love the simplicity of Mark. The good news about... Just about Jesus. So, I'm just curious. If, if it's not about Jesus, what do we substitute for Jesus? We have good news about... We have good news about... We have good news about... I mean, truthfully, if we were to walk around on the streets of New Braunfels with people that are unchurched, what would they think that our message, the good news of our message would be what? Hey, we got heaven. We got eternal life. We got good coffee. Hey, we got a great building. Hey, we got a great children's ministry. Sometimes we just get so caught up in this conversation about what we got as an organization And Jesus is going, hey, this is a story about me. Now, when people rally around Jesus, there is an organization that happens. Yeah, and I, yeah, we want to do that well. But we don't want to lose the fact. This is God. God initiated a story in the history of humanity, and it's all about Jesus. Jesus. Could we say his name together? Jesus. Do you like saying that name? Because I like saying that name. Jesus. 
It's not the Christ, it's Jesus. The Christ is a title. Not his last name, Jesus. Christ, Lord, King. But Jesus. God initiated that story. Mark, he experienced that story. And then he recorded the story with the help of the Holy Spirit. And this story is the good news about Jesus. Most of the time, if we'll keep the story about Jesus, it's good news. If we start changing the story and it's about other things, it starts being not so good news. If the story becomes just about what's right, what's wrong. If it just becomes about ethics. And I believe in the ethics of the Bible. I want to live the ethics of the Bible. But if a person doesn't know Jesus, they're probably not going to be drawn to the ethics. Because they haven't met Jesus yet. And so if I'm just correcting people's behavior, is that good news? I mean, would you like me to do it? Would you like me to spend my Sunday mornings telling you what's right and what's wrong? Do you need that? Is that what you need? Adam for sure says, no, Dad. I'm done with that. It was appropriate at a time. You know, I could tell Adam what's right and wrong. Now we have conversation about what's right and what's wrong. But it's about Jesus. And in this good news, God sent a messenger. And that messenger, he was a herald. That's a kind of an old word. That was like, you know, somebody appointed by another kingdom to go tell, go give a message. So this herald was sent by God to make ready the way of Jesus into the world. Prepare the way of the Lord. Now, quite literally, within the ancient Near Eastern world, if a visiting dignitary was coming to your land, there would be a new road constructed. We need a new road, no hills on it, no rocks, smooth road, smooth path. We want to make this red carpet treatment. We want to construct a new road for a king. So John is sent to figuratively do that, not literally build a road for Jesus to walk down. John the Baptist is that messenger. So he's preparing access. Access of this good news of Jesus is going to come into Judea, into southern Israel. And then through Israel, it's going to go on out into the world. But it's going to enter human history through this place called Judea. He's laying down the infrastructure for the coming of the good news into human history. And then once that is constructed, the way has to be maintained. A way that's kept in readiness. See, I'm sending my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way. The voice of one crying out in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his way straight. Now in English, you have two words there, and prepare and, and prepare, right? And in English, you would define those words the same way, Yes. Prepare, prepare. Sometimes I have to be the bearer of bad news. They're not the same words in Greek. They're different words. They're different verbs. 
which means there's different meanings. So on the one hand, the first prepare is the construction analogy. You know, build that road. Get that road ready for the king to walk down. The second prepare, the second verb is about keep that road maintained. Because <laughs> once you build a road, you need to maintain it. Right? We could tell the city that, right? If you're going to build these roads, you've got to maintain them. No more potholes. Yes, right? We get that. So the second prepare is what I want us to, to really, I want, it to, I want it to touch our lives because it's about, it's not about the beginning, it's about the now. See, a road that's kept in, in readiness, the preparation is for receiving and entertaining someone. In this case, receiving and entertaining the King of all kings, the Lord of all lords, the Messiah, Jesus. Alongside the prophetic task, that was John's role. He was the, he's the last of the prophets proclaiming the Lord is coming. That was his task. Alongside that is an ethical and religious task given to individuals to prepare for fellowship with God. The road is kept ready because God wants relationship, close relationship with humanity. Fellowship is the word that's used for the husband and wife union. It's depicted, God wants really close friendship with us. And a road that's kept open and maintained is so that God can move into human history and he he can enter into relationship with us. From Israel, as from Moses... There was a demanded readiness to receive the revelation of God. And the ultimate revelation of God is Jesus. So the Old Covenant, if you back up in the Old Covenant, there's this this injunction to stay ready, be ready. There's preparation of the heart. My heart is steadfast, O God. My heart is steadfast. There's the prophetic call in Amos. Therefore... Thus I will do to you, Israel, because I will do this for you. I was going to do it. Why? To prepare to meet your God. Be in readiness to meet me. And in Micah, he has told you, O mortal, what is good? And what does the Lord require of you but to do justice, to love kindness, to walk humbly with your God? That's readiness. The New Testament continues that theme. Readiness for good works. Remind them. That would be remind us. Remind those that are following Jesus to be subject to rulers and authorities, to be obedient. Read this next line with me. To be ready for every good work. And notice... To be ready for every good work is not left undefined. It's defined by what follows. To speak evil of no one. To avoid quarreling. To be gentle. To show every courtesy to everyone. There's also the readiness to bear witness to this good news. Always be ready. 
Always be ready to make your defense, to give an answer, not answer everybody's questions about God. Notice, always be ready to make your defense to anyone who demands from you an accounting for the hope. For the hope that is within you. There's a hope resident in you because you're following Jesus. He's good news. It's the day of the Lord's favor and you're living in it. And as you give that answer, as you give that defense, do it with gentleness and reverence. Reverence for who? Not just reverence for God. Respect to the person you're giving the defense to. And then there's a readiness for the return of the Lord. Yeah, that there is going to be an end. and We need to be ready for it. Keep awake, therefore. For you do not know on what day your Lord is coming, but understand this. If the owner of the house had known in what part of the night the thief was coming, he would have stayed awake and would not have let his house be broken into. Therefore, you also must be ready. For the Son of Man is coming at an unexpected time. Be ready. Now that readiness, it just it comes down, just comes it comes down to this quote that I'm about to read. That I'm just I'm just stuck with it, and being stuck with it, I want to stick it with you. In virtue of it, that is readiness. The life of Christians, the life of people who have pledged themselves to follow Jesus, becomes a life of conscious. And vigilant expectation of a goal which brings salvation. And of openness to the possibilities of action determined by this goal. This readiness gives the Christian life a distinctive, dynamic character. Now just read that for yourself. Read those words for yourself. One more time. Let me see if I can tie together... What I believe this is encouragement is saying to where we begin. John the Baptist created a highway, figuratively speaking, for the good news to enter humanity. And then through the ages, every generation is then given the opportunity to keep that highway maintained. Because Jesus continues to step into life. Jesus continues to walk down that path to bring people into relationship with him. So I believe that you and I are kind of partnered with John. We're the ones maintaining this readiness of a road for people to come to know Jesus. In virtue of that readiness, our life in Christ becomes... We're aware... And we are vigilant 
of the goal. The goal is people coming to know Jesus, which brings salvation not only into their lives, but salvation onto the planet. We're aware in this in-between time that God is still actively saving our world. He didn't just do it back then. It's still happening. And we get to be a part of it. We're the road crew maintaining that access. People entering into relationship with God. The openness of the possibilities of the... Like we're participating with God in the salvation of people, the salvation of his creation. He's made us partners in that. that, I mean, so that's when it makes it... This readiness, it makes our life distinctive and dynamic. I mean, I can't imagine anything better than being invited to be God's partner and bringing something better to humanity. I mean, can you? So then it, it just brings me to a set of questions that I ask of myself and that I want to ask of us as a community of people that are following Jesus. Are we living a life in the in-between that really truly prepares our generation to receive and entertain Jesus? Are we preparing our generation for fellowship with God? I mean, we got it. It's a wonderful gift. How do we help others enter into that relationship? So then it leads me to ask these questions. Well, are our works good? Are we not speaking evil words of anyone? I don't know how painful it was for you, but when I read a headline that says Christian pastor wishes all the LGBT people in the gay bar were killed because that's what God wanted, I would say that that fell short of being a good work. If we're calling for the death of people, that's not a good work. That's speaking evil of others. That falls way short. Do we, want to, do we even want to go there with quarreling? I mean, the church history is the history of groups quarreling with each other and not solving it. So starting new stuff and quarreling and starting to score. Like, we just have this whole history of not being able to resolve our differences. What about gentleness? Where'd that go? What about showing... I mean, how, how broad do you want to get? Showing every courtesy to everyone. Who's the, who are the everyones that are in the news these days? 
Anybody want to speak up? Who's in every one that we would tend not to show courtesy to, but we're being encouraged to show courtesy to? Might I say, immigrants. You know, maybe our country won't welcome immigrants, but that doesn't mean my ethics shouldn't be. My, my ethics of the kingdom of God. Have you noticed that what my nation does is not always what the kingdom of God does? Have you, I mean, they're, they're not one and the same. We know that, don't we? God has blessed America, but if, if, if America doesn't live within God's blessing, well, I mean, I don't have anything else to hold on to but the kingdom of God. Can I keep going or should we stop? Should we just ignore this? Can we just close the book? Because, I mean, is our witness, is our witness hopeful? <laughs> And I've shared with you, I'd love to share my, the, what I remember. My life. First, the first witness of Jesus in my life was being invited by my football coach when I was 12 years old to go watch a film of Armageddon, and I watched the world blowing up. And I thought, wow, that's not real hopeful. And I'm, all, I'm only 12. And for some reason, they gave me this little Gideon Bible, and they showed me where the beast was going to swallow everything. So I kept my little Gideon Bible, little green little Bible, in my closet. And every once I'd kind of go in my closet, and I'd open up that thing and read about the beast. The, this is not the good news about the beast, right? Thankfully, Young Life came along when I was 17. I, was, I lived for five years in, you know, distraught. And they told me the good news about Jesus. I thought, whew, let's get rid of that beast. And I got a red New Testament rather than the green one and read about Jesus. Truthfully, I mean, is, is our witness, in general, is the, the, the witness of the church in our world today, is it hopeful? No, it's not. Ouch! And so how are we going to turn it around? Because it's up to us to turn it around. Is the witness of the church gentle? Is it reverent in the sense, do we respect other human beings created in the image of God, even when they're not living in the way that we think is right? Do we still respect people? Are we awake? Are we watching for the return of Jesus? Not because we want him to do it, you know, get all those bad people. You know, when you come back, you're, going to, you're just going to wipe everything. We, Jesus, we need you to come back because you've got to set everything right. Things are still horribly out there. Things are out of control. We need you to come back. I mean, I'd have to say, well, we're not, we're not doing a very good job, Jesus. We need you to come back and rally us so that we can do a better job with what you entrusted to us. My desire is to not make us feel bad. That's not my desire. My, de- my desire is to motivate us to do 
what Jesus is inviting us to do. I, I want to live a life following Jesus that is distinctive and dynamic as an individual and as a community. So may I ask this? One, can we just take a moment and maybe just acknowledge, hey Jesus, we really have fallen short of what you've called us to do and what you've called us to be. And when we confess our sins to him, he's faithful, he's just. He forgives us, he cleanses us, and then he empowers us to go after it again. Are you willing to join me in praying a prayer like that? Well, let's stand together and pray that way. Jesus, I want to thank you for the ways that you communicate to us through the Bible. I want to thank you that you could just take one word and you could take the definition of that word and you can just expand that and blow that up and you can really lead us to a place like this where we stand in your presence we say, Oh, Lord, we're missing out. Lord, we're falling short. Lord, we confess to you that in general, our works are not good. Our witness is not good. And that we have fallen asleep. And so our prayer is really simple. Holy Spirit, would you come? Would you come and forgive us? Would you come and cleanse us? And would you come and empower us that we could get on being a people who are maintaining the road that you've made into human history. And that we would keep this road so well prepared that people, person after person after person, could enter into relationship with you down this pathway that we get to maintain. I pray, Jesus, that by the Holy Spirit we would be empowered to be quick to do good works as you define them. Empower us, Holy Spirit, to speak evil of no one. Empower us, Holy Spirit, to avoid quarreling. Empower us, Holy Spirit, to be gentle, to show every courtesy to everyone. Holy Spirit, empower us. Empower our witness to be hopeful and gentle and reverent, respectful of other people. Holy Spirit, unless you do this, unless you empower us, we will fall short. Our efforts are not good enough. So Holy Spirit, remind us of this day, remind us of this morning, remind us of these places in your word where you're saying, I want you to live in readiness. I want you to maintain the road that brings access of the good news to your generation. I want you, all of you, in this, I want you to live a distinctive, 
in a dynamic life. Help us, Lord. Help us. And help us to be that voice, at times crying out in the wilderness, that has a distinctive tone to it. In your name I pray, Lord. Amen. So as we end up our time, please, you know, embrace one another, encourage one another. If you have some questions you want to ask of me, uh, based upon what we just shared, you're welcome to. I love to have conversation. And I thank you for our morning together.